0: Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing frame with Strategic Thought Leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Well, it's been long enough that I've been saying change the game by changing the frame with Strategic Thought Leadership as part of the intro to this podcast that we have an episode called Change the Game by Changing the Frame. How to step outside the common assumptions about what you do and be an effective rule breaker. So here's what I aim to do for you this episode. Open your eyes and ears to opportunities to change the game in your field, your profession, or your business niche. Help you discover the leaps in progress that are available when you focus on breakthroughs that are outside the frame instead of just the incremental progress that's within the frame of the norms of your field or industry. To begin to better notice unspoken assumptions that are prevalent in your field, profession, or business niche as frameworks of thinking, many of which aren't as fully functional as they could be. So the right for the positive change you could bring them, to your benefit and the benefit of your audience, an audience that will appreciate you changing the game in a way that benefits them. To give you ideas from fields like NLP, neurolinguistic Programming, I'm a master practitioner of that, and systems thinking, I know that pretty well too. To better notice and then change the frames of thinking for yourself and for your audience. Uh, Before we jump into all that, first a little bit about myself. I'm Chris McNeil. I'm a strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, and I bring to the table credentials in entrepreneurship, influence, coaching, and innovation. I've won multiple national and regional awards for innovation in websites and new technology when I was in the fitness and wellness business, which is where I gained 20 years experience coaching and coaching coaches in what grew to be a multiple location personal training studio business as well as providing corporate wellness programs for large companies like Bayer. But we used a motivation and behavior modification model based on neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a master NLP practitioner and also I drew from sports psychology. And it wasn't just about physical fitness. For those who let themselves be open to it, it's also a path to greater self-mastery by learning to create an environment to bring out a state of confident expectation of success and it on progressively higher goals of exercise performance and mastery of new healthier lifestyle habits. So I saw it as a mental game where it was all about motivation and behavior modification because knowing what exercise to do, you got to know that too, of course. But that wasn't what stopped most people from achieving their goals. We had thousands of success stories over the years. And I saw this generalized into other achievements and higher overall confidence for many of the over 2,000 clients we served in the fitness studios. And that positive impact on people's lives, that was the most satisfying part of that phase of my career. So I sold the training business along with the software the motivational software I developed to friendly competition to make time for more personal creativity and music and to change fields and went into marketing as a consultant and digital agency owner. Now there I orchestrated marketing programs that created breakthrough results for various businesses. In some cases doubling the market share in just a couple of years and others rendering all the competition in a niche essentially invisible uh, and some creating triple digit annual sales growth so all this NLP background gave in also design human engineering and learning from the masters like one of the founders of the field of NLP gave me a modeling system where I could study the high achievers in marketing and that's where I started putting together the pieces of the puzzle for what became the thought process of strategic thought leadership. That was a differentiating factor, and that's what I could bring to the game in a receptive business. So drawing from NLP in business is using excellence modeling, using accelerated learning, and using the structure of the language of influence in sales and marketing. So today's episode being about changing the game by changing the frame, one question might be, what's the game you want to change? And what does a frame do? It draws attention to what's inside of it in a certain way. It filters attention from what's outside of and let's consider this strategic thought leadership the primary focus of this podcast. It's all about leading an audience to new, helpful thinking. And this is more powerful when that thinking is on the level of what we call mental models. Now mental models, also known as beliefs, are a higher level of change than knowledge. Even if someone has the knowledge to do something, they're going to stop themselves from using it and achieving what they want if they don't believe they can. And even if they don't have the knowledge, if they strongly believe they can do something, they will find a way to gain whatever necessary knowledge and skills. So when we're talking about higher-level influence, that means influencing on the level of mental models or even higher levels like identity. Rather than just giving people more facts to memorize or even higher than teaching them a skill that's relevant in your field, profession, or business category. So what is a belief, it's a mental model that we consider and act upon as if it's true? And a belief could be a more global paradigm, or in the context of marketing a product or service, it can be simple. It can be something like, what purpose does this product or service serve in the life of the customer? What features or benefits does it offer that are most relevant? What place does it have in the life of the customer? What's the criteria that's most important when choosing it? What's the methodology for using it? was the methodology for choosing it. These are all mental models. And when you take the attitude that the norm, the mental models that are within the current frame of the norms of an industry, how people currently think about it, are moldable. And there are tremendous opportunities in looking outside of that. You can think of a frame. You can think of a mental model as being kind of like a trance state. People don't consider other opportunities because they're in a trance about how things are normally done. Your whole industry or your niche might be in a certain kind of trance about how to use the product or service that you sell or how things are done in the profession that you're in where if you're able to step outside of that but what that takes is it takes the ability to recognize a mental model for what it is And it takes the ability to recognize both the prevalent ones that a lot of people hold about what you do and those that you've internalized yourself. It takes the ability to step outside of your own beliefs and see things from different perspectives. And those are fields like neuro-linguistic programming are helpful with the rich set of tools that it offers for recognizing and changing beliefs. That's where fields like systems thinking which when you look at what you do, the field of what you do, interaction, when you draw a circle around what you would call a system and study it as a system you can utilize tools like what's called double loop learning, which means instead of just learning how to do a task better within a set of norms and expectations, you question the norms and expectations themselves. Instead of a salesperson getting more and more skilled within the frame of a selling process, it's questioning the selling process itself and asking could there be entirely different processes that we haven't even thought of yet that could be more effective thought leadership studio So what's it like to step outside of a frame? Think of a time you felt especially inspired or creative. A personal peak experience of inspiration. Now, as you think about it, imagine it's like a still shot, like a photograph of the scene that represents it well, and see yourself in the photograph. Now, imagine this still shot shrunk down to a tiny black and white slide, two inches by two inches or so within a thick black frame on a wall under a dim light, and notice how that changes your feelings. We don't want to leave it there, so now make it much larger, maybe a couple feet wide. Put it in an ornate frame full of vivid color with bright studio lights lighting it up. Notice how that makes you feel different. Now imagine... It's out of the frame. You're stepping into it, and it expands in all directions, so it's a vivid, three-dimensional, virtual reality movie that you're stepping into and becoming fully immersed in. Amplify the size of it. Turn up the brightness. Make it larger and brighter than life. And make sure it's a movie with dynamic action instead of a still picture. Now as you're seeing what you are seeing, hear what you are hearing, recall the sounds you heard, and increase the volume until it's just right. Now add powerful music that goes with these positive feelings. Like your theme composer, like Hans Zimmer or John Williams. build the music up make it dramatic amplify it so you're fully immersed in that too hearing it coming from all directions turning up the volume as you recall the scene vividly holding yourself the same way so you have the same posture the same physiology remember how you're breathing and breathe the same way How did it impact your feelings of inspiration take them out of a limiting frame and expand them to full immersion? How would things be different if you had this feeling of inspiration focused on what you're aiming to achieve every single day? How would it be different to have this feeling of inspiration? similarly looking outside the frame of norms and expectations of your field your profession or your niche so sometimes reframes can change entire industries one example is when certain restaurant owners realized they were in the entertainment business and not simply in the nourishment business Think about how much money that's made over time. Personal fitness training flourished as more people saw helping people get fit through the frame of a coach rather than that of an equipment provider. Now, I'm currently working on a similar reframe several actually in marketing one of which is helping leaders see the benefits of working with a thought leadership coach which is a more leveraged role for empowering leaders in this manner than a typical agency frame. I mean we need agencies too but if you only address marketing through the agency frame it can limit potential because the relationship applies at least to some working within the client's current mental models about how marketing is done whether it is much more leverage in the ability of the coach to challenge mental models and to start to see things outside the frame of how marketing is done. So mental models, belief systems, they're a leverage point for positive change which translates perfectly to marketing impact. Nearly every business situation can be reframed to bring new information on stage, to add a choir singing, different talking points, and speaking of restaurants, to spice things up by adding new flavors to the meal of our thought leadership. And so the audience sees, hears, and feel things in a new way through a different context. And strategic thought leadership uses reframing as a primary strategy we can change the game of a market niche, a profession, or industry by changing the frame about how a product is used, how service is used, what it's for, what criteria is important in assessing options in a purchase decision. But to be really good at changing the frame, you have to get really good at noticing the frame, at seeing the frame, at realizing when and how people are operating within a belief system in a context belief systems have structure you can always drill a belief system down to an if then statement because it connects two things and when you drill down to those one thing you can do is imagine that you're writing an instruction manual for an alien civilization who needs to learn how to fit into your profession your business your type of business, your niche, your field. And you have to explain to them the unspoken rules of how people act. You have to list them out. Here's your instruction manual. Here's how you fit in. And once you've got that list. So in general, it comes from a mindset. that's a little more agnostic. It comes from starting to realize that these frames, these mental models are optional. It comes from realizing that many of them are not especially functional they're sub-optimized. There are breakthroughs that could happen. That, so things could be a lot better. And you train yourself to see how switching to a more empowering mental model, things better. So you have two ways of doing that in the sense that you got optimization, which in many cases, making things within a certain frame better. But you also have innovation completely outside the frame. So you're looking so far out the frame asking, what is the core purpose of this, of what you do? Could it have even an entirely different purpose? Like, instead of this product just doing what it does for people, the service through which we deliver the product is our vehicle for just making people feel really good with every interaction we have for instance. So you're questioning the world, questioning how people both in the marketplace, the customers and competitors see how it quote should be done and how quote it's normally done. But if you didn't have any of those quote rules, you had complete freedom, how would you really do it? So it's expanding your mind, training your mind to see invisible possibilities. It's a mindset, it's carrying with you an expectation of breakthrough success because when you create this sense of vacuum of feeling like you've already created breakthroughs before you actually have, thinking how would I feel different? How would things be different? If you came up with a breakthrough, new way of looking at things that transformed your field Transformed your success in a positive way, transformed your customer, or client's experience, and kept your audience enraptured in, in a field of possibilities created by your leadership. How can you create this vacuum by holding that state, breathing that way? It's a powerful, attractive force. It also helps when you start to perceive consensual reality as a form of trance state, the trance we just share. It's like when a hypnotist puts someone in a trance, when they help them achieve a trance, state of consciousness, that to paraphrase Dr. Milton Erickson, that puts the normal modes, the normal habits of thinking, on temporary hold. So someone can be available to new patterns of thinking that can help them achieve your goals more quickly and easily, effectively, serve at a higher level, and lead your audience to get more of what they want more quickly, easily, and effectively to help them extract more value. So it takes a suspension of the normal modes of thinking, hence the utility of a trance state or a state of reflection, deep reflection, immersed creativity. I think a subset of consensual reality includes the norms of your field. And a lot of it's unconscious. Hence, Erickson's separation of the conscious and unconscious mind with his multiple level communication where he went directly, consciously, tell people that you can become more aware of all the unlimited possibilities and move your mindset to a different place of having different norms, having different mental models that enables your audience to get more value, find more joy in life, and whatever it is that you bring them, in whatever it is that you bring them, through your product or service, thinking of it as a container to spread joy at a higher level, to derive more joy from helping people, bring their dreams to life in whatever Way that you do. So he wouldn't say this directly because people's conscious minds would tend to block these things. So we do it with metaphor. Or maybe with things like the Aliens Instruction Manual, making lists of these unspoken assumptions. And there's so much into it, in just accessing the creative states. And, and someone would do it just by bringing people and have them recall your peak states, your creative flow, your peak experiences of deep, intuitive, deep reflection, and having anchors to get to those when you need them. And just when you study the creative processes of creative geniuses, you find there's certain things they have in common. And these are mental skills we can all learn, like how to utilize both conscious and unconscious processes. Like Mozart's strategy for composition, where he would pass things back and forth between the conscious and the unconscious mind. He would first of all set up a situation consciously that invited inspiration from the unconscious musical ideas, which he'd simply do by getting in a really good feeling state, doing something moving like walking or riding in a carriage. And then he said these ideas, these melodic snippets would just emerge so he was translating feeling to sound which is the synesthesia process of passing things between senses so this first stage he said the ideas came to him so that was an unconscious process but he did consciously put himself into an environment into a state that invited them and then his next stage of composition was he would imagine these melodic ideas were ingredients in a meal so he translated them to a different sensory system now those are familiar Mozart's music might say it's very tasteful well he literally used the sense of taste and composition using his imagination to translate it now this was a conscious process because he said he would arrange the ingredients to make a pleasing meal and once he had it past that stage that conscious process with a different sensory system because that's another characteristic of these creative geniuses. It's passing things between the conscious and unconscious, then it's multi-sensory. Uh, and after the taste conscious part, he would pass it over to the visual system and see the whole composition. Like this is a big abstract sculpture that he said would form itself into new shapes while he was feeling incredibly inspired. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, this is for memory. But, and that brings us to the third characteristic that seems common with most all creative geniuses. And the first two, again, is passing things between conscious and unconscious processes, going from a stage of working on something and then letting ideas come to you. Now if you've ever done a writing project or some other kind of creative project where you found you needed to really focus for time but then get away from it, and it was during this time you got away from it, that ideas would come to you that would take it to the next stage. You know what I mean by that? And then making it multi-sensory because every sensory system has different advantages. The visual system can take in a lot of information at once. The taste and smell system, like with a meal, gives a sense of balance. It's the tastefulness of Mozart's music. And the third one is multiple perspective. In Mozart's case, he'd bring it close for a meal, then see it off in the distance and enlarging. In systems thinking, moving to the customer's perspective, seeing things through their eyes, hearing things through their ears, and redesigning the system of your business and every touch point from their point of view so they can extract the value that's important to them. Kind of gives a perspective from which to perhaps intuit creatively some different frames to work with that can help them extract value more easily. And then maybe even stepping to the observer perspective and seeing things from a distance so there's no emotion involved, of the empathy of the customer perspective, the intention of the service person perspective. And then you have the detachment that takes in new information where you see both of them at an equal distance, both just as clear as each other, both the same size. Hearing what each one says, in noticing things as an observer you take in new information that you can take back and having these multiple perspectives this you might call it a triple description can bring in new ideas And bringing in new ideas what this is all about when we talk about changing the game by changing the frame and so that wraps up Episode number 13 of Thought Leadership Studio. I'm Chris McNeil, your host. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, write a review. Give me a little support there. Share it on social. Spread the word. Let's spread more positive strategic thought leadership. The world needs more of us. Thought Leadership Studio. Check out the episode page, the link is in the show notes, and it will give you a lot of supporting documentation, ideas to fill any gaps um, on this process. And also, this is not something I always offer, but at the time I'm recording this, I'm offering a free 30-minute discovery session to look at what you can achieve with strategic thought leadership or your organization. Just a time to look at what you want to accomplish and find out what is possible that you can achieve with strategic thought leadership for market influence or marketing or sales goals. What kind of time frame would it take to expect to see results and what kind of programs would suit you best. So the aim is to empower you and to brainstorm together. So check out the link and look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.